Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Oh, I hope he doesn't show. Today was the closest I cut. It would be a great show i was nervous today and i got up at six for today and tomorrow you know the earlier i get up the more i think i'm good i'm fine i'm i'm fine i'm not you know everything's fine i'm taking my time and all of a sudden i looked at my clock and it's 6:57. oh man it would have been great tv if you could have just showed up another minute later for today and tomorrow it had great openings it would have been awesome Well, apparently the great opening happened even though I was on time yesterday. And I cut it even closer today. Yep. I sat down while we were in black, for those of you who aren't familiar with the industry. Could never play for Tom Coughlin. I know that. We just couldn't do it. The show goes into black as the curtain awaits to arise. I'm always in position when it's time to start the show. I'm always ready to go. I would have never wanted to play for Tom Coughlin. I would have reached my lifetime limit of listening to Tom Coughlin about five minutes after showing up five minutes early for the first meeting with Tom Coughlin. So I'm very happy I never had to play for, work for, listen to, or deal with Tom Coughlin. I'm sure the feeling's mutual, so don't worry. I don't think he wanted you on his team anyways. (laughs) Well, there's the whole absolute lack of talent side of it that would have been one of the initial giveaways, but yeah, I don't think our personalities would have meshed at all. But you know what? I could have been drafted. I could have been drafted and had no choice. We're two weeks away from the draft where hundreds of kids will have no choice but to accept what their NFL fate is. Kind of like Baker Mayfield. Kind of like him. Yeah. He was drafted by the Cleveland Browns. That kind of came up yesterday. I don't know if you watched or listened to the entirety of the 90 minute You Never Know podcast that dropped yesterday. There had been talk of Baker Mayfield doing some sort of a podcast interview, and it was a podcast I'd never heard of, and that's fine. 
the folks on sure. the You Never Know podcast, quite possibly, have never heard of us. That's fine. I'm not casting judgment or aspersions here, but it was not a traditional football gathering. There weren't a lot of questions that would suggest that the people involved know a whole lot about the ins and outs of Baker Mayfield's career. And there were so many opportunities, Chris, for meaningful follow-up that would have helped shed light on a lot of things we've been talking about. Right. It was frustrating to me, and maybe the only reason he did it is because he knew that he wasn't going to get that level of probing detail with the kind of follow-up questions that people who've been paying attention to this would have asked. There just wasn't the natural curiosity informed by an understanding of the broader circumstances. That was my big takeaway. It was a lost opportunity to really make it a much more memorable 90 minutes than it was. Well, I mean, I think you're right, though. It was a warm, cozy place, you know, as far as just not knowing or knowing that you're not going to have to answer really tough, intricate, in the weeds football questions, and you can kind of control the narrative. And again, I don't know, you know, the personal relationship he might have with these guys or what. I, you know, again, we don't know that aspect of it either. Uh, yeah, I wish we would have got to grill him a little too, because it's an, an interesting story. And of course, the most interesting part is just about how it all went down and how it all went down and what did they tell you when it was going down. That to me is what we all wanted to hear from Baker Mayfield. So we got some snippets of that. We got a little of that, and we'll get to that in a second, but you touched on a very important point here, and this is something that will only happen as long as fans and consumers of media tolerate it. The idea that high-profile players who have stories to tell will tell those stories only in safe spaces, only in places where they're not going to be subjected to any questions they don't want to answer, even if they are fair questions. I'm not talking about avoiding a hostile interviewer or staying away from the potential where you're going to get gotcha questions or an effort to make you look bad. I'm just talking about this habit we've seen now. And really, Aaron Rodgers is a most high-profile yeah. example of it in recent months because he's got the safe space on Pat McAfee's show where they never ask him a tough question. It's always a welcoming audience. He can drive the discussion in whichever direction he wants. And I guess the fans are like, that's fine because we get that instead of nothing. We otherwise wouldn't have anything from Aaron Rodgers. So at least we get something. And along the way, when you step back and let the guy go, you do create some moments where very true too, right? Even though it's a safe space and yeah. he gets to say what he wants, he does say something that generates a lot of scrutiny. But still, there is never, or at least rarely, any real pushback. Some of it's no. kind of like joking, tongue in cheek, right, right, right. But it's never the kind of hang on a second, Aaron what are you really saying here? Or do you mean that? Because if you mean that, and that was clearly evident yesterday yeah. with the Baker Mayfield questioning. And again, I'm look, this is the world we live in. And again, I'm not complaining because at least we got something out of Baker Mayfield. Yeah. I just think it was a lost opportunity. There could have been a lot more if follow-up questions would have been asked, if there had been a more thorough understanding of his circumstances. And I just feel like, Maybe it was an act, but I feel like the guys asking the questions really didn't understand the details 
of a lot of aspects I don't of think Baker they did. Mayfield's career. Yeah. I mean, at one point, one of the guys, and I don't know these guys at all, and I'm sorry, I, 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 but, I, but I'm, I'm reacting as somebody who listened to the 90-minute show and you want people to listen to it. Okay, people are going to listen to it and people are going to say, boy, it's kind of odd that somebody asked him like this really weird question, like, didn't you and Patrick Mahomes have like a really high-scoring college football game? And so who the hell doesn't know that? Yeah, right. Who, who that knows anything about the NFL or college football isn't aware that there was once a Texas Tech-Oklahoma ridiculous pinball machine shootout between Baker Mayfield and Patrick Mahomes? Who doesn't know that? That's, that was just like, this is weird to me. Well, I think it's, again, I think it just speaks to there was something here as far as a favor being done, a prior relationship, whatever. But yes, this is not a uh, podcast that you come away going, oh, well, these guys are really in the weeds about football and understand all the details and things that go on in the NFL. No, well, it's a, it's, it's, but to your point, it's, it's an issue in our country in all things now. It is. And of course, it leads to, you know, lackluster journalism at times because the journalists who may be, you know, most inclined to ask the right questions or following the subject the most closely don't get to do it like you're saying. You know, star people, stars, no matter what the business is, it's control your narrative, control your own narrative. You know, build your brand, control your brand, make sure it all looks on social media the right way. So, you know, that, that's where we are as a society. No one wants to answer tough questions anymore or be put in a spot to where they might have to throw something out there that's a little unpopular with the fans. And it's, it's through and through. It doesn't matter what sport it is, Hollywood, music. It's, it's everybody right now. From a league and team perspective, I think it started with the proliferation of league and team-owned media outlets, websites. yeah. Right. TV networks, right. NFL network, owned and operated by the NFL. And if you consume that content, you need to go into it with your eyes open, recognizing you're not going to get the unsanitized, raw, truthful, accurate, honest view when there's an underbelly that needs to be dealt with. And Matt Casey, listening to the show today. Hello, Matt. Good to know you're out there. Yeah. Pointing out that the LeBron James decision thing, that was all hand-picked, calculated Jim Gray. Exactly. Taking my talents to South Beach. That wasn't anybody who was independent who was going to press him on basic questions like, what the hell are we doing here? Why are we doing this? Uh, It manifested in the shop to a degree, which is a great thing, again. But sometimes you want to get in there and go, wait, hold on. i got to ask a question here. Yeah, but go ahead. Sorry, sorry. But, but hey, the shop shop ends up being very useful. It does. Because what happens is... Sometimes you get so comfortable in the safe space, you lose sight of the fact that the things you say are going to make their way to the public eye. One of the most valuable things we've gotten about Tom Brady in recent years, if ever, was his admission that 90% of the things he says during press conferences is bullcrap. <laughs> right. Because right. he's very careful about what he says and how he says it. And he's one who's Jim always Gray looking too. to <laughs> push the narrative the right way. That's right. Jim Gray, the Let's Go podcast. Right. I mean, come on. His good buddy that he calls Scratchy. I still don't know why why Tom Brady calls Jim Gray, Gray Scratchy, but, but you know, they're, they're close. They're tight. So he's the guy who's asking him the question. So he's never going to get peppered with any type of real, probing, meaningful questions that would call him out for anything that seems inconsistent or, un, 
usual. I mean, was there an emergency episode of the Let's Go podcast so Tom Brady could address all the questions? Yeah, about right. That's what I was going to say. He pushed <laughs> Bruce Arians out of Tampa Bay, or even now. Hey, right. let's go. Did you go to let's Miami? Go, let's go. Were you going let's there? Go. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> let's have a Let's Go podcast where you talk about this story that continues to percolate about the effort to become a part owner of the Dolphins, maybe a front office executive, and then maybe come back and play. Let's go, let's go. Wait, let's wait, wait. It. I got so, a problem with that, too. Do you, is it not bothering you over the last week that people have caught on to this story and are now like, I mean, almost every day I click somewhere, somewhere in a city, whatever. Oh, Brady and, and Sean Payton, and there was a play to go to Miami, and nobody gives us credit. Nobody. And I want to go, wait, we said this three weeks ago, and now everybody's jumping on the story, and it's like, oh, well, we don't want to pay attention to the people that actually broke it and put it on everybody's. It actually is annoying. It annoyed me a little this week. I can't I'm lie. not going to name names. Yeah. I'm not going to name names. Right. But I was asked twice yesterday on radio interviews right. what I thought of the rumors. What, what do I think of them? We, we started them. We, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> what do I think of them? Right. And, and, and they're and, not and, rumors. And it's, <laughs> and it's not it's – not, the fault of the radio hosts yeah. who are asking the question because they are getting it based upon the way the information is coming to them. Right. The people who are spreading this have lost sight of how it all started. Right. For the most part. Yeah. And I saw there was a tweet from Dan Levitard the other day who was pointing out how crazy all of this is. And it's crazy that it's not a much bigger story. And my reaction was that come week one of the regular season, that's when ESPN and or NFL Network will report it as if it's new. Yeah. As if no one said anything about it. It's going to be one of the Sunday splash reports. Because they've got, specifically at ESPN, I'm trying to be good here, they've got a history of reporting stuff that has been out there, but got to fill our quota, got to check our box, need something today. What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? We're paying you $9 million a year now. You better have something good. And and things that have been out there for a while tend to circle back around and get presented as news. I'm not naming names. I'm just naming well-known salaries at this point of insiders who have had some struggles on Twitter lately, but I'm not, I'm not naming names as to who it may be. All right, back to Baker Mayfield. Pete Demolitis, gently nudging the conversation back where it should go. Baker Mayfield in a semi-safe space on a couch with a dog talking about his time with the Browns and how it indeed is coming to an end. Here's Baker Mayfield from the You Never Know podcast. I have no regrets of my time in Cleveland of what I tried to give to that place. Right. And true Clevelanders and true Browns fans know, know that. And that's why I can walk away from the whole situation feeling like I'd I did it. And now, do you feel like do you feel like the way the office has handled it has been disrespectful to you, given what's given where you came in and where they are now? And uh, I mean, yeah, the respect thing is like it, it's all it's all going to be like a personal opinion. Yeah, like, and I don't. All... I, no, I I feel disrespected, hundred mm-hmm. percent, because I was told one thing and they completely did another. That's what I'm in the middle of right now. And you know what? Okay, I got I got my taste of it because I've had four different head coaches in four years, a bunch of different coordinators. I've had. Talk about the highs. They always come back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they always come back. Always come yeah. back. Um, <laughs> uh, what a scene that was. Yeah, I was. love that dog. <laughs> that dog became a social media star yesterday. There was one pose that dog was in where he looked like a cooked turkey, where the legs were popped up like the wings and the 
the body swells up like the the breast of the yeah. turkey. That that dog was rolling around all over the place, and at one point, Baker asked the dog to kind of yeah. That dog move, will never move. be in my house. I know that that move. ain't gonna happen. Well, I don't care. Dogs that, are great. I love animals. That ain't one of my favorites, right there. I know that. <laughs> that dog seems a little bit older. I don't know how I'd feel about older dog on a white couch. Yeah, I just think right. that could go sideways very quickly. <laughs> no but, question. But that dog did become a star yesterday. So, you know, Baker feels disrespected, as he should, by the Browns, to the extent that they told him one thing and they did something right, else. Right. And, and and this is a prime example of and, – and, and I don't I don't get it. It's a simple – What did they mean? tell you, Baker? What, what do you mean? What did they tell you? <laughs> Where's your basic human curiosity? Was that checked at the door? Was there a negotiation ahead of time as to what questions would or wouldn't be asked? But something as simple as they told me one thing and did another, how do you not say, and I'm trying very hard here not to, you know, piss anyone off, but how do you not say, what are you talking about? We're left to surmise, Chris, on what he's talking about. Yeah, I, I know. It, it drives you crazy. It does. I mean, that that's the... This that that's the the what do you want to say the silver bullet the the headline is what everybody wants to know, I mean that that was the million dollar question right there, okay yes we all feel like you got disrespected it seems that way, you know we 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 want to help you in that fight and go wait what the hell was Cleveland doing, I mean just from the outside looking in right at that time we were going wait did you really think that you flirting with Deshaun Watson wasn't gonna upset Baker Mayfield I mean again we don't even know Baker Mayfield but we know him through media enough to know stuff like that's gonna piss him off and and so that's where I would love to just know that part of the message hey Baker you know we were we're just gonna talk to him and kind of feel the situation out was he cool with that or was he not cool did they tell him hey we're not even gonna talk to him all together and we're not gonna do that and then they did that you know, where was the line of demarcation? How far, you know, down the road were you led to believe that they might look at Deshaun Watson? I am dying to know that aspect. That, that to me is, yeah, it's killing me. And I wanted to get on that couch there and be like, all right, dude, hey, move over. Be quiet for a second. I got some football questions to answer or ask here. <laughs> Here's the best I can do at figuring out what he was referring to. Yeah. Last Sunday of the regular season. 2021 right early 2022 Baker Mayfield didn't play that home game against the Cincinnati Bengals that was when he finally had shoulder surgery we'll talk about that more coming up there was a report from NFL media that the Browns plan to keep Baker Mayfield yes right for the 2022 season they plan to go forward with Baker Mayfield as the starting quarterback a splash report like the one that we referred to earlier, where week one of the 2022 season, someone will have as a splash report that Tom Brady was going to go to Miami. And I'm looking at the article now. They've got, it's one of these where they've got two guys on it. It's a story that's, that's too big for one. This story is, is big enough. We got to have two bylines on the report that the Browns plan to move forward with Baker Mayfield as their starting quarterback for 2022, not just on the team, but they head into the offseason with plans to retain Baker Mayfield as their quarterback for 2022. That's what was told to us. I assume that's what was told to him. Right. That changed at some point yep. between week 18, Sunday splash report, and here's the other report that I have when we get to 
the aftermath of the initial flirtation with Deshaun Watson, another NFL media report. Here's the quote. The team still views Baker Mayfield as their quarterback. They told Mayfield's agents at the Cowan Bond they'd only explore top-tier quarterbacks such as Deshaun Watson. That's different from what he was told at the end of the season. End of the season, if we're told, presumably Baker's told, yeah. you're our guy, yeah. you're our guy, right. you're our guy, between then and late February, well, you're our guy unless we can get Deshaun Watson or right. some other top-tier quarterback, which implies you ain't one. Yeah. So that's the best I can yeah, I mean, I think that's what we can... That's the right. two different stories. But it would have been a lot easier to just say, hey, Baker, what are you talking about? Right. Baker, tell us more. Well, where, yeah, that's where it's like, what, what changed there? And I know in between there, right, maybe to connect some dots here, or at least to figure this out, we had the, you know, the talks of a, a little bit of the Baker, what he's expecting, what kind of money, what kind of contract would it take? I mean, is that what changed the tide or the tune of the Cleveland Browns? Did they talk to representation with Baker Mayfield and go, whoa, okay, wait, he's going to ask for that kind of money. That's kind of a game changer here. And we're going to, you know, now investigate some other avenues as far as quarterbacks are going to go. I got to think some of that came into play here as far as being able to sign him to a long-term deal or respectable money that made sense for the team. I would think that's at least part of this conversation. I personally think that they came to the conclusion at some point last year that there was too big of a divide a between okay. yeah. what Baker wants and what the Browns want for right. it to ever get to that point. Remember when Joe Thomas suggested not that long ago the Browns would have paid him $30 million a year and there was a denial or right. whatever. I can't remember how it was phrased. Somebody did an off-the-record denial in response to Joe Thomas's claim. And my take was it never got to the point where an offer was made because they knew based on the preliminary conversations that they were wasting their time. Right. That Baker Mayfield is operating in one stratosphere and the Browns are operating in another. And Baker Mayfield could have had $30 million a year if he had wanted it. But we've talked about this before. Why would he have wanted it based upon his 2020 season? Going into 21, the arrow was pointing up and the salary expectations were pointing toward $40 million per year or more. So I think what happened is once they got distance from the season, they were able to take a step back. Remember we said last year how the Steelers, when they got distance from the 2020 season, yeah. they got themselves all worked up into this possibility that they could load up the cannon one more time with Ben Roethlisberger and maybe have a better result than the prior year. Right. I think when the Browns got distance from 2021, they thought, okay, Here's what we're dealing with. Right. We have a guy who goes good year, bad year, good year, bad year. Right. We have a situation where he's under contract for one more year. Yeah. He's getting his shoulder fixed. Right. He's going to be motivated to prove that he deserves a big contract. So he's going to have a big season. We're going to have to give him a big contract. And then we go back on the good year, bad year roller coaster. That's not what we're looking and for. And the emotional roller coaster. I think you got to add that in too. Just the emotional roller coaster of Baker Mayfield, whether it's the Odell Beckham Jr. stuff or the media and everything like that too. I got to think that's part of what they thought too, to just go, wait, where, how far down the road do we want to go with Baker Mayfield in this conversation? I would think all of those things, plus what you said, would, would lead them to, yeah, maybe that thought there for sure. And that's an excellent point because I've said for a long time now that privately my guess is Baker Mayfield is a gigantic right. pain in the ass. Right. And didn't we get flashes of that yesterday? Even though they weren't really pushing his buttons directly, just talking about these different concepts and yucking it up about his desire to go heckle someone at their workplace 
Yeah, it tells and, you a and little. how he right. gets motivated right. by the fans when he's the visiting team's quarterback to stick it to them. That's how he's wired. He said at one point he's got the Napoleon complex. Hell, he's north of six foot. Why has he got the Napoleon complex? I guess <laughs> it's small for a quarterback. It's Napoleonish for a quarterback. And they're all gigantic. <laughs> it is Napoleonish. But we we got an idea of what a pain in the ass he can be. Yes. When you are away from cameras and microphones, and he's got something that's got him pissed off and something he's complaining about. Well, let's go ahead and play that yeah, let's do that. clip from Baker Mayfield talking about kind of the way he is and maybe explaining indirectly why the Browns had enough of him. Like I'd, I'd be lying to you if I didn't say that I got caught up in all the like negativity and stuff uh, during the year last year. Um, postseason, I, when I got my sur- surgery, I was out in California, my marketing agent's out there, um, I had him grab all my social media, change all the passwords, delete it off my phone. The only thing I have is Bleacher Report. That's why I get football notifications. That's the only reason I know anything going on in the world. When people are, like, so critical of it, it's like, these guys are, that's the way Life's they... Life's on the line. I would love to show up at somebody's cubicle and just boo the shit out of them. <laughs> yeah. And, see, and watch, watch them crumble. 10,000 people. No, I'm wrong. This guy sucks. Bad I'm wrong sale. for saying Bad that. Sale. I'm wrong for saying that. He's wrong for saying it, but he said it anyway. And that's fine. I got a little of that in me. Yeah, that's sure. Fine, me but too. It's amazing to me that he has both the lack of control and the self-awareness. That, that's a rare combination. It is. Absolute lack of self-control, but absolute self-awareness to say, hey, 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 take my phone, change all my social media passwords, delete all my social media apps to protect me from me so I don't react to the people who criticize me so I don't punch down on the various people out there who are giving me a hard time, which also tells me there probably are one or more Baker Mayfield burner accounts out there because my guess is he fits the profile of guy who would say what he needs to say under the cover of someone else's social media handle. Chris. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I think that's kind of common with that age group for sure to have that for sure, just to have their voice or their opinion thrown out there. And yeah, they don't have to attach their name to it. I do think it gives us a little introspective into like, Hey, yeah. I mean, you know, just with that right there, there, there's a problem with controlling, you know, the the temper or you know the the emotions at times. That it kind of shows you that it does, you know. And again, I think that's that's a dangerous line for a quarterback. There is a line there, there there is, you know. Again, I you know, Brady, hey, I he pays attention to stuff, but I think there's a line where it doesn't affect him and make him go crazy. It might make him work harder, do things like that, but he understands how to cut it off and not let it affect the rest of his life. And I think we've seen a little with Baker Mayfield where you go, eh, I do think it affects you a little at times. Obviously, we're seeing that. You were worried about it during the season when you should be focused on football and everything you know, other than social media and what's being out there. So I, I got to think that's part of you know, the reason Cleveland decided to end the relationship is a little bit of that emotional roller coaster and the fact that you're not sure you can trust them. And, you know, it's a dangerous way to live that way. I was like that, Mike, like you were talking about as a young quarterback, 
where I would remember, oh, this guy said this about me, and I'm going to shove it up his and you know what and prove him wrong. Oh, that guy said that about me. I wish I could go to his office and boo him and do that. You know, and then I came to the realization and got a little mature and go, wait, 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 what am I talking about here? I play professional football. I'm making a lot of money. It's an entertainment business. I'm on TV. Of course, I'm going to get some criticism here. What the hell are you talking about? It's a different, it's not apples to apples to the guy in the cubicle there. It's not, you know, it's, it's, there's all the great things that go with football and playing and being out there. And then, yeah, the other aspect is those three or four things that you got to deal with the media, the fans booing you a little bit. So what? And, you know, when you can come to that determination, then you could become a quarterback that, you know, can play on the field and block that out and kind of compartmentalize it in a way. And it doesn't seem Baker's got there yet. For a lot of the guys in the NFL, one of the realities is they haven't fully developed. They haven't fully matured. Yeah, sure. Your brain doesn't completely develop until you're 25. One of the reasons why insurance rates for drivers under the age of 25 are higher is your brain hasn't fully made the connections between behavior and risk and outcome. So there's a lot of stuff that happens when you're younger that you can't process. And I always feel badly that we dump these kids into these situations and expect them to handle them well. Yeah. How do you expect them to when they're 21, 22, 23? But you know what? Baker Mayfield turns 27 today. So the brain is fully formed. He is who he is. And happy birthday, by the way, Baker Mayfield. But that's part of the problem. And look, as he embarks on his search for next team, and we're going to have some more on that coming up very soon. I would be leery about this. He would have to fit with what we are currently trying to do as a team. Right. His attitude. Right. Or I would have to have a pretty damn good plan for understanding who he is, understanding how he is. Yeah, right. And nudging that in the best possible direction and believing that I could control the negative, not have him become a problem in the locker room on the practice field to the point where when things are going rough for him, no yeah. one speaks out in support of him as no one with the Browns has. That's kind of jarring. Yeah, it is. Not a single teammate has said, Nobody. tweeted anything of support. Nothing. Not Baker even when Odell Beckham Jr. and that stuff time. happened either. Nobody. No, that fact, was one of the things that bothered him. Right, right. That was one of the things that bothered Odell him. Odell got a, more had support. a long list. Right. Long list of things that bothered him from last year. Right. Up to and including the Browns have an in-house radio network that is right there in the middle of the facility. Dared to criticize him. Right. They dared to criticize him. Yeah. Gets back to the whole safe spaces and coverage of me on my own terms hey why are they criticizing me but you know at some point he, he, he's got a point we're either on the same yeah, team we're part of the true. same family or we're not right. it's one of the risks of having your own media operation that covers you yeah the browns have a radio program that covers the browns and they own it and they operate it it is kind of awkward if you do start criticizing players on the team but it's an example of of the unique wiring of baker mayfield so as teams explore whether or not yeah. they want to do business with Baker Mayfield. Here's Baker Mayfield from yesterday talking about where he thinks he will end up next. Where do you, uh, where do you think you're going to – do you have any idea where you're going to land? Oh, man. If this would have been about a week and a half ago, I would have said Indianapolis. Um, mm. Seattle. I mean, it'd probably be the most likely option. Mm-hmm. But even then, I – and, you, and where you're sitting, you don't give a f- 
I just I'm ready for the next chapter. Right. Right. The next opportunity because the only one I'm guaranteed it with the next spot is one year because that's I have one more year of a guaranteed contract. So I have one year wherever I go, and it's my next interview. It's something to put on my resume for the next job, mm-hmm. whether it be I play that year wherever it's going to be and they extend me for longer, or if it's that year and then I get picked up somewhere else. Mm. I know I have this one year to do as much as I possibly can. <laughs> it's a great point, but it also should make him far more selective about where he goes. And Seattle, is Seattle the best place for him right now to go and have the kind of year It's gonna be, that's I, going to yeah. propel him into the upper echelon of quarterback salaries i'm not so sure that's the best place for him right now no i'm not sure either but i I don't know what what are the other options you know you talked about like the attitude the player how to you know control them all that that's where i'll get back to i mean seattle from that standpoint makes sense i think they're used to those type of personalities and you know a little edge across the team whether it was richard sherman or cam chancellor or michael bennett or whatever they've had some personalities up there i still think detroit from what you said Way back when. I just, yeah, I think Buddy Boy being there and damn Dan Campbell and everybody would, and Mark Brunel there at quarterback coach, that would probably be the type of support system and attitude of people that would make sense there too. But, like, there's no more options. There's nothing there. I mean, there's really nothing. I mean, Houston's going with Davis Mills. They could have traded for him with the Deshaun Watson thing. That didn't happen. I mean, so that I, I really look at it to go – I think it's just Seattle, and it's just going to be a waiting game of like, okay, when are you going to release Baker Mayfield from his contract? Because we're not going to trade anything for him, and we're going to go there, you know. And at least he's, you know, got a DK Metcalf, hopefully, and and TJ and and, and Tyler Lockett to where it's not bad. He could be put in worse spots, that's for sure. Well, from Seattle's perspective, they can say, you're eventually going to release this guy. We're content to wait for exactly. him. Exactly. And if you release him, we're going to pay him $1.035 million, the minimum salary for a player of his experience level. You're going to pay the balance of the $18.8 million fully guaranteed, and you're not going to get anything from us for it. You're going to get credit for $1.035 million. Right. If you would like to accelerate that process and ensure that this is the place where he lands, then... Maybe you pay, you know, a lot of his salary. And yeah. they're, they're, no, but the Se- oh, Seahawks no. are still going to go, wait, no. that's more than the we Se- want to no. pay, period. You know what, it, you know what it's going to be? You yeah. know what it's going to be? Yeah. It's going to be, we'll pay him $1.035 million and you give us a draft pick, not we give you one. That's, that's the only way to get the Seahawks to do the deal now because at some point he's going to get cut and he's going to go straight to Seattle. And the only leverage that they can exercise over him at this point is delay. Right. We're going to keep you from getting to Seattle, and it's going to be harder for you to get ensconced to have the kind of year that you need to either get an extension from the Seahawks or set yourself up for a contract next year. Right. That and that's 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 another lost opportunity in this podcast because I want to know how he's going to play this. You're not happy with the Browns. Are you going to cooperate with the Browns as they try to trade you? Are you going to show up at the facility and say, deal with me, deal with me? Here I am. I'm working out here. I'm ready to go. I'm here. I'm here for practice. I'm here to take my reps. I'm here to go. It, it's awkward. And they're done with him. Yeah. If he, 
if he decides he's going to show up every day until they cut him or trade him on favorable terms, it's just going to be a big, ugly mess and more of a distraction for a team that has more distractions than it currently needs with yeah. Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. So, the, again, I'd like to know more about what Baker Mayfield's plan is for dealing with the Browns yeah, I know. as this all plays out. Yeah. Because the Seahawks are in a position where they can say, unless you give us a draft pick, we're not taking this contract off your hands. And we're definitely not paying more than $1.035 million because that's what we would pay when you cut him. And I, I still look at the Steelers as the best place. As a, a, one of those teams, him. yeah. Here's why. Yeah. Look, think about all the stuff he said about how he gets motivated. He loves being the quarterback in the visiting team's stadium or of the visiting team at the other stadium, shutting them up that way. He will have a higher level of motivation to do everything that's expected of him in Pittsburgh. He will do whatever Mike Tomlin tells him to do. I think Mike Tomlin can control him, mm-hmm. speak hard truths to him, get him to complete the process of maturing, use the things that the Browns have said about him, like the Chris Mortensen report that they're looking for an adult at the position to, to nudge him in the right direction. This could be a perfect marriage of necessity and motivation between the Steelers and Baker Mayfield. And that's all the more reason for the Browns to give up a fifth or a sixth round pick to direct him to Seattle and ensure that he doesn't land with the Steelers. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thought. It it really is. And I think a lot of the things you say there make sense. And if I'm Baker Mayfield, I mean, it's not a horrible spot to be in. Of course, it is Pittsburgh. It's one of the best organizations of football. You got Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool and Freermuth at tight end with Najee Harris at tailback. Some, uh, you know, they're trying to make their offensive line better. I mean, it's certainly not a bad spot. I just don't get the, you know, I don't get the feeling that Pittsburgh wants to go that direction. I don't know. And, and again, I could be wrong. Maybe they're just laying in the weeds here. I don't, but it seems like, you know, like we've talked about, that there is a wanting of a mobile quarterback to do some of the movement stuff. I think that's why they went with Trubisky. I think it's why we hear the rumors of Malik Willis going there, you know, in the draft, that they're one of the teams that are hot on them. I think it's the type of offense they want to run. So that's just the only thing I question a little bit. But it would be interesting to see, like, if he does get released – if there is interest there, I mean, they're a team that, of course, has had an up-close look at the guy, no doubt about it. You know, They also are probably very you know, uh, realistic about what the guy is, and they've seen how he can be kind of a pain in the butt. And they might go, wait, you know, we just dealt with a pain-in-the-butt franchise quarterback here for a long time. Yes, he was good the last few years. We know that, but we know that you know, Big Ben's had moments of being a pain in the butt. Maybe they don't want to deal with that either. You know, the, the scary thing with Baker Mayfield is a little bit, if you're a team like Pittsburgh to me, is if he has like a year that optically looks good to the fans, right? And we know fans can be tricked. We know that. I mean, Pittsburgh was 10-0 and two years ago, and you couldn't tell people Big Ben wasn't one of the five best quarterbacks in football just because they were 10-0. and And that's what would scare me is that we get a place like Pittsburgh, oh, we take Baker Mayfield – the stats look pretty good. We won some games, but, you know, the Chris Sims of the world who really watch film and do that go, he didn't really play that good. It wasn't that good, you know, and it's easy to finagle stats this day and age in the NFL. You know, Carson Wentz was 27-7 and seven last year. Indianapolis was like, we've seen enough. We don't need you. So that would be what scare me is that they have one of those kind of years, and now the fan base is like, look, we did great. We do. We want Baker, Baker, Baker. And now you got to pay your guy or be stuck with a guy that, you know, you might not necessarily be thrilled with. That would be a scenario that would scare me a little. 
you know, I don't disagree with that yeah. at all. And the sooner you get the guy in there, the sooner you can get things constructed in a yeah. way that you can get the most out of no That really is a big factor here that I hope gets explored at some point. And we'll know when he shows up for the offseason program yeah. or doesn't. Reports for mandatory, mini- mandatory minicamp or doesn't. I think for now, nothing happens until after the draft. Feels like it. Because the Seahawks may get somebody and right. then they don't need Baker right. Mayfield. Exactly right. Now, 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 it could be that as the draft approaches, that's when Seattle says to Cleveland, hey, Cleveland, you know, we may take a quarterback and, you know, we, we will lose any and all interest in Baker Mayfield at that point. So if you're ever going to do this, now is the time to do it. They could use the looming draft to squeeze Cleveland to finally say, fine, we'll give you a fifth round pick if you just take this guy and we'll pay $17.7 million of his contract. Just take this guy so we don't have to cut him and see him go to Pittsburgh. So I, I think that, that that is very real. There's also for as self-aware and again this is it's a strange juxtaposition to see someone who is so self-aware but at the same time so flawed in his thinking yeah there's unless he's been talking to seattle there's just kind of a presumption that they would want him no, we they, don't even I, know that they would want him agreed agreed I, I i i thought it too he just like like he was just talking like he's like one of the guys like well i think i'll just go to seattle i don't, I don't know maybe he had an inkling that, that they were really interested I mean, maybe that's a real thing. So maybe he did know that. But I, I agree. When he said it and I was watching it, I thought the same thing. That it just it's very casual how he's just throwing out information out there like that. Yeah. And if he does know that there's something going on, he probably should keep that to himself and let it play out. Yeah. And, you know, he, he kind of threw out this Colts thing like, well, it looked like the Colts until a week and a half ago. Well, based on the time when this podcast was recorded what had happened a week and a half earlier was they traded for matt ryan and wouldn't that have been a great what happened there let's ask him well, that. That, wouldn't that but wouldn't that have been hey hey baker what do you think about them trading for that guy that looks like he's 50 years old instead of you at quarterback what do you think about that you think they made a mistake there baker do you do you and there's a way to do it where it's a fair question you're, you're here to answer questions. What do you think about the Colts choosing Matt Ryan over you? I mean, this is a guy who has been willing to speak his mind in the past. Pete has reminded me of the Daniel Jones controversy, the GQ comments from 2019. I can't believe they took Daniel Jones. It blows my mind. Some people overthink it. That's where people go wrong. They forget you've got to win. Now he backtracked later and blamed the media and called it all clickbait. But if he'd have been asked that question yesterday, whatever he would have said, he couldn't blame anyone but himself for saying Hey, you know, they wanted Matt Ryan. What can I do? They apparently want a guy who, you know, has been playing football since longer than I've been alive. Yeah. No, I I, I know. I mean, you know, I, I think it's a little bit of you know, Baker Mayfield. This is one of the first times in his career in a long time, or at least since he had a transfer Texas Tech where he's there's some bumps in the road. You know, it was smooth sailing in Oklahoma and early on in the NFL career. And this red carpet and throwing pedals at his feet. And this is just amazing. And here's commercial deals, even though you haven't done anything. And, yeah, you know, the crap kind of hit the fan this last year. And we, we saw some issues and flaws there. But, man, yes. I mean, again, just the way the interview went down, it, it, there has to be a prior relationship. I don't know, you know, the gentleman's name that's hosting that podcast. I'm new to that, too. 
But like, yeah, I mean, I I, I want to look it up and go like, was there a prior relationship? Do they know each other? Like, there's got to be. I got the feeling there. early on there was. Yes, I got like, the they feeling know early each on other. There was something. It seemed right, like right. It. He did, just didn't happen to show up at the house and say, let's hang out for ninety minutes. Right. There was something that drew Baker Mayfield to this safe space where it was a combination of familiarity and lack of knowledge. Familiarity with him, lack of familiarity with his career, lack of curiosity to ask the kind of follow-up questions that others would have asked to get to the bottom of some of these things. I think that all had something to do with it. All right. Um, and, and you mentioned Texas Tech. Let, let me just say this real quickly before yeah. we move on. Mm-hmm. He talked a lot about Texas Tech. One thing that I am certain of, he'll never play for the Cardinals if Cliff Kingsbury is the head coach because he definitely feels like he got disrespected there. They wouldn't give him a scholarship after he started five games. Yeah, they I, made it harder yeah. on him to transfer. Right. He's not happy with Texas Tech, and Cliff Kingsbury was the guy in charge of the program at the time that that all went down. So no Cardinals no. for Baker Mayfield. That's for damn sure. I can understand I, that. I was covering some of the games. I, I just got in the business and was doing like Fox Sports college football games in the Big 12. And I did a few of his games at Texas Tech. And I remember sitting there, and I mean, I said it on some of the telecasts. Like, man, Baker Mayfield's talented. Like, it's, he, this should be their guy. But Cliff Kingsbury was a little – their Davis Webb was also there at the same time, if you remember that. And Patrick Mahomes was getting ready to commit and come to school. So I think that, you know, a lot of things played into, you know, the factors there at Texas Tech that yeah, I think, you know, Baker Mayfield, he's got a right to feel a little disrespect or at least chippy towards Texas Tech. I, I don't blame him for that. Something he didn't push as hard as he could have on his own behalf. And, hey, maybe he doesn't want to make excuses. But it was clear last year that the shoulder injury that he suffered when he decided to make a tackle after throwing an interception week two against the Texans affected him all year long. How badly did it affect him? Let's hear directly from Baker Mayfield. I tore my labrum completely, like, full front, like basically 90% in the back. Um, and then that was week two. I did that in the first half. Played the rest of the game, was fine. Uh, but then four weeks later, we were playing the Cardinals, and I dislocated my shoulder again. But I dislocated it so bad and at a different angle that the bone, like the humerus that goes up into your shoulder socket, like the big bone right here, mm-hmm. comes up into your ball and socket and it forced its way out. And I fractured the bone because it, like, it wasn't going to be like just a clean exit. Right. So I fractured the bone. So when I had the labrum done and that fracture, the inflammation, I, mean, I had no function in my left shoulder. Mm. And we were going into a week, a Thursday game that week. Monday, I couldn't lift my arm, yeah. but I literally, when I, when I couldn't raise my arm, I was like, I, I can't do this. Mm. Fascinating revelation by Baker Mayfield for a couple of reasons. First of all, he acted like he was fine. Yeah. He wasn't giving up. He has that Brett Favre, I'm not giving up my spot and letting someone else take Definitely. my spot. Yep. I'm playing no matter what. And... He's talking about the days preceding a Thursday night game that they had against the Denver Broncos where Case Keenum played, and that was the Dearness Johnson game, had the big performance in the absence of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Uh, Baker Mayfield admits that on Monday he knew he couldn't do it. On Tuesday of that week, he said, I'm the one who decides if I can play. I'm the one who, I'm the, it's me, it's me, it's me, it's me. He already knows he can't do it. It just shows you that there's a very high degree of turf protection that goes on in that sport. And for good reason. Because if Case Keenum comes in and lights it up, maybe they keep going with Case Keenum. Maybe some fans say they should have kept going with Case Keenum last year. So 
you never want to give up your spot no. in that job, in that place. And the shoulder was a lot worse than we were led to believe. And, and he could say, that was why I wasn't very good last year. And you know what? If you're a team that's interested in Baker Mayfield, you can say, hey, yeah. good year in 2018, bad year when Freddie Kitchens was the head coach. No surprise there. Great year in 2020. Last year, the only problem was he did something stupid in week two because he was pissed off that he threw an interception. He let his emotions take over. And again, how do you iron that out of him? I don't know. There's the one against the Cardinals yeah, that, hurt. that really Oof, did the shoulder. Man. And, and uh, I, I still think glass is half full. If you can just polish some of the rough spots and speak to his better angels. I agree. And put the right people around him and have a coach who knows how to get through to him, to take his self-awareness but also his flaws and package it together and coach him the right way. That's what coaches do. If you can figure out the right way to coach Baker Mayfield to be the best version of himself, he can still be a pretty damn good quarterback. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you in that, Mike. I really am. I, I think he's got a lot of things that you like as far as being your franchise guy. He does have the physical talent. His arm is real. It is. You talk about the toughness, the moxie, the leadership. There is something to that. Again, he didn't get the reputation of being such a great locker room guy and an awesome guy for nothing. There is something there to that. Hopefully with age here, he matures a little bit and all that as well. The injuries were certainly a factor in his play, 100%. There's no doubt about that. How could it not be? And, you know, even... You know, again, like injuries like that, they affect a lot to where even the mental aspect or you might go, whoa, man, I don't know why. You know, again, his I know his arms hurt, but why would he throw the ball there? You know, well, the injuries play into that factor, too, at times. Oh, the pockets collapse. I don't want to take this hit. Let me get it there. You know, ooh, this throw might have been there, but it hurts my arm. I'm going to go to the next guy because I feel a little better throwing the ball to that guy on that route. Oh, it wasn't the best decision. So that's where it affects you, too. And yeah, that's where teams are going to have to do some deep digging and, and really feel comfortable with Baker Mayfield and the situation there. And, you know, we've hit some teams that I think can do what you're talking about. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. Mike Tomlin. Look, we didn't know how big of a problem Antonio Brown was for most of a decade. And he was a problem for Mike Tomlin. He was a problem for the Pittsburgh Steelers. A separate set of rules applied to Antonio Brown, but he was a great player. Mike Tomlin found a way to make it work. He found a way to minimize the resentment of Antonio Brown. You know the stories about they'd go to training camp, St. Vincent's College in Latrobe, yeah. sleeping in dorm rooms. Antonio Brown has his own his house own place, rents right. off campus. Right. Great. Different rules apply. Blows into the locker room yeah. as everyone's dressed and ready for the game. Right. But, hey, it's Antonio Brown. He's That's great. Right. We'll make it work. Yep. And I said this about Ben Roethlisberger. The transformation of Roethlisberger sure. happened on the watch of Mike Tomlin. When Bill Cowher was the coach the first three years of Ben Roethlisberger's career, he was a tremendous pain in the ass yes. for teammates and coaches. One of the first controversies involving Ben Roethlisberger was his claim after the 2004 AFC Championship game that he played the game with three broken toes. And Bill Cowher said publicly he didn't have any broken, didn't broken toes. toes. What the hell yeah. he talking about? Right. <laughs> yeah. That's when the legend of Ben the injury embellisher began. Yes. So right. Tomlin got him under control. I just think, I think if I'm the Browns, I'm scared to death that this is going to end up with Baker Mayfield going to Pittsburgh and being better there than he ever was with the Browns and beating the Browns far more often than not, not just in 2022, 
but beyond. Just as the Steelers are looking for a quarterback to build around, they get a guy who just turned 27, who could be there for 10 years, and and continue to be a thorn in the side of the Browns in a very different way. That's the outcome I think the Browns are trying their damnedest to avoid, Chris. Well, I, I would scare them, I'm sure. It would. Um, we'll see. I, we'll see. You know, hopefully we'll... We'll know. The next month is going to tell us. The next three weeks are going to tell us. I, I think between the draft and things like that, that's where we're going to be at least led down a, a little bit of a direction here of where it could possibly end. But I, I think the options are limited, and I think we kind of hit on the two teams, three-ish maybe, that makes sense. But I don't think there's anything else out there other than that. Seattle, Pittsburgh, Detroit. Yeah. Seattle, Pittsburgh, Detroit. Even though Detroit has said or done nothing to reflect any interest whatsoever, it is obvious to me that Baker Mayfield is the personification of the attitude that Dan Campbell and Chris Spielman are currently trying to put into that organization. And he is a thousand times more apt to be that guy than Jared Goff. Sorry, it's true. Agreed. So the Lions should be interested, and Buddy Boy should be chopping his gum and pounding on the table to get – Baker Mayfield to Detroit, Seattle, Detroit, Pittsburgh. One last thing very quickly, because yeah. I think it is important. It's a little bit long, but we're, we're already close to an hour in. Let's keep pushing the envelope as far as we can. Here's Baker Mayfield talking about how he will approach his next NFL locker room. Listen carefully. I'm not, I'm, like, I'm not going to force it. I'm going to be myself because yeah. I feel like I feel like I tried to force it when things on the field weren't going well mm -hmm. in the like in the past couple of years. I feel like I'm going to go in there and be myself. Because that's worked for me in the past. I'm going to go with the same work ethic mentality. And like, and if they don't like me, that's fine. But when I step on the field and I, and I play as confident as I am and, and what I think I'm going to do on the field next time I get a chance to do it, I'll earn the respect of the guys that didn't appreciate it from the beginning. Like so, and, that, and that's, if I'm worried about getting them to like me, what am I doing? They don't care if I, if, if I like them either. They want their quarterback to win. They're trying to get a paycheck. If their team wins, they get paid. So the guys that don't really personally like me, that's fine. But I have to have their respect. Again, incredibly self-aware, mature view of who he is and how he fits into a team. Yep. They didn't like Peyton Manning universally. Right, but if you win, that's the thing. If you win, then the guy becomes beloved. But you want the guy who's going to get everybody's attention, however that style works. You need to get their attention. You need to get their maximum effort. You need to get their maximum dedication. You need to get them on board with everything that's happening, whether it's like, whether it's respect, whether it's some combination of the two. But it's obvious they didn't like him in Cleveland. And it's possible they didn't respect him either. We saw the manifestation to that churlish aspect of his personality, whether it's interactions with media or refusing to do a post-game press conference after a victory because he didn't play well and got booed against the Lions. That's not the way that you get the respect and the admiration and the affection of your teammates. No, definitely not. And I would think that there's something more there to that as well to add on to it that we don't know, whether that's, you know, examples of you know, you hear rumors out there that hey, he can be hard to coach, right? We, we try to say something, but he kind of tells us, no, I know how to do this. This is the way. You do. Like, there, there is those rumors that are out there. So th that would also lead to players and going like, what the hell? Why is he saying that to the coach? And he doesn't know better than him. Just listen to the coach and say, yes, sir. You know, th there is that out there about Baker Mayfield. But it does seem like he's at least learned something from Cleveland. And 
You know, I think you learn like you talked about and the fact that, yes, he he's realizes he's got to act himself, be a little different. Obviously, his play on the field and all those things were affecting him to the point where he was changing his personality and the way he acted in the locker room according to how his play and he was being portrayed by the fan base. And I can just tell you that Tom Brady or Peyton Manning are not doing, never did that or don't do that. They're not like, oh, man, I haven't played good, and a few people in the media are telling me I'm not playing good, so now I need to go in here and be extra nice to the guys in the locker room. No, the guys in the locker room are going to be more respect or respect you more if you're just, boom, oh, Tom Brady, hey, you're the man, you're the man. He walks in the locker room like he's the man. Tom Brady, you're crap, you're crap, you're crap. He walks in the locker room like he's the man. It doesn't matter. And that's what guys want from the quarterback. They don't want the emotional roller coaster. They don't, you know, because then you just don't know what to expect on a daily basis. And then you start, I don't know what to expect when he gets on the field. And that'll scare people. So uh, hopefully he's learned from that. Some quarterbacks are more complicated than others. Yep. Some take more delicate coaching than others. And the bottom line is he's had Hugh Jackson, Greg Williams, Freddie Kitchens, Kevin Stefanski is his head coaches in the NFL. I think Kevin Stefanski and Baker Mayfield just don't fit from a personality standpoint. Seems like that. I don't think they fit. Not that I'm passing judgment on either of them. No, right. Some people just don't fit. Right. They don't fit, and I think that's part of the problem there. They need a guy with whom Baker Mayfield fits. They need a guy that Baker Mayfield will respect. The, a guy that Baker Mayfield will, you know, kind of wide-eyed, yes, sir, yes, sir, whatever you want, sir, whether it is Pete Carroll, Mike Tomlin, or Dan Campbell. And I think he maybe would do that for each of those three guys. But I think he needs to go to a place where he is led, where he's not just the leader of the team, but he is led by the coach. That's what I think he needs right now in his career more than anything else. By the way, by the way, the guy that was hosting the podcast, his name is Mike. Just Mike. Nothing but Mike. He is, according to Apple Pad call, yeah, it's Mike with a period. Not just Mike, but Mike with a period. He is a life, this is a lifestyle podcast hosted by platinum recording artist Mike. I don't know how a guy, now look, I know that I'm I'm not quite in the demographic anymore, but I don't know how he becomes a platinum recording artist if I've never heard of him. Have you ever heard of him? Have you no. ever heard of Mike, period? I have no. I've he not used to be him. Mike Stud. Are you aware of Mike Stud? I'm not. Nope. No. And I don't you already know, know one. You already know one Mike Stud. I don't need. To <laughs> I don't need. I'm, I'm at my quota for enough, Mike Studs. Right. There right. isn't enough time in your day to know two Mike Studs. It just, so, yeah, I did not uh, know that about it. It's odd, and yet you don't see platinum recording artists going around chasing quarterbacks to do interviews with either. So that's kind of funny too. He also played college baseball at Duke and Georgetown. Mike. Period. Mike. FKA Mike Stud. Mike that Stud. Was You're Mike the Dud. My, my, Let's go to hey, commercial Mike, break. <laughs> hey Mike. Hey Mike. Period. Anytime you want some guidance on, you know, spotting some good opportunities for follow up questions when you got somebody sitting on the couch with your dog that's about to poop all over it, just uh, give us a call. We'll take a break. We got plenty more PFT Live to come and not a lot of time to give it to you. We'll be back with more right after this. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide 
at bp.com slash investing in America. It's very clear to me how they how they felt about me day one. And, um, you know, I again, I don't ever want to speak for Dave or speak for Josh, um, but it was uh, I knew I was going to be a Raider. You know, I was just hoping that it'd be for longer than what my contract was at that moment. <laughs> I've only wanted to be a Raider. And I told my agent, I said, I'm either going to be a Raider or I'm going to be playing golf. Like, I don't want to play anywhere else. You know, this that's how much this place means to me. And I don't I know I don't get really fired up talking about it or anything like that, but I hope people can hear my heart on that, that I was dead serious when I meant that. And so, you know, I had one year left on my contract. If if it was one year, it was going to be one year, you know. Um, you know, thankfully, thankfully it'll be four more. You know, it's an important day for Derek Carr when the T-shirt has sleeves. That's a big <laughs> yeah, day. Right. That's a huge day in the football career of Derek Carr. That's formal attire. Yeah. Pete says for Derek Carr, the T-shirt with with sleeves. And it was obvious he didn't get a pump in before the press conference to, you know, vein out the the biceps a little bit to make it a little more impressive. But I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm Lord. I apologize for being snarky at a moment like this when we should be celebrating the forty point five million dollar contract that was signed yesterday by Derek Carr, even though the true details show that if the Raiders decide, based upon 2022, that they want to abandon ship with Derek Carr, he will have made $24.9 million. And as long as he does not have an injury that prevents him from passing a physical when the season ends, they can cut him loose before three days after the Super Bowl. They'll have a window right after the Super Bowl to waive Derek Carr and avoid the balance of the deal, and they would have given him only $3.9 million more for this contract that they would otherwise avoid. And, you know, well, they won't do it. That's what I heard yesterday. Well, they're not going to do it. Well, then why do they have the ability to do it? Why do you have the ability to do it if you're never going to do it? Why would you bake into the contract the power to do it if it's something that you didn't want to at least have the option to do? I, I agree with that. I don't, I don't understand. That's probably the aspect I don't understand as far as why Carr wouldn't want to protect himself a little bit more, I think realistically, I mean, you're right, they can do it. Realistically, do the, the chances of them actually doing it, I think, are very low. One, I mean, Agreed. You know, right. Okay, good. I'm glad you agree there. Yeah, one, I mean, again, Derek Carr's good. He's he's arguably top 10 quarterback in football. And I'm not saying he's top five, but you know, eight, nine, 10, 11, whatever. Derek Carr's right in that range for sure. He's a player. No, he's so between that and then okay, who's better out there that you're gonna get? He's played really awesome football the last two years, and the guy you just traded the farm for, the reason he came there, one of the reasons, is because of the quarterback. So there is a little extra protection with that, with Devontae Adams. So this is this is a player, and you know, again, I don't understand it's it is risky on his and his, you know, from his standpoint. But at the same time, I think, you know, realistically, the chances of him being cut after the year are very minimal. Um, and it's about as team-friendly and a nice of a team-friendly deal as you're going to find this day and age in the NFL. Derek Carr strikes me as a guy who has been spewing some version of BS for so long he's finally started to believe it. 
And I apologize to anyone out there who is offended by my hot take about Derek Carr. But I've always thought there was a certain tinge of fraud to Derek Carr. And he was acting the way that he thought a franchise quarterback should act. And saying the things that he thinks a franchise quarterback should say. Like I would never play for any of the team. Do we really believe that if the Raiders cut him after this season, he would never, ever, ever play football for any other team for the balance of his life? I don't buy that. I just don't buy it. That's the mindset that he has for now. The moment they kick him to the curb is the moment the mindset changes. So I say all that because, Chris, I wonder whether or not Dave Ziegler, the new GM, and Josh McDaniels, the new head coach, found a way to use that against him, to get him to do a Tom Brady team-friendly deal. Maybe. To give the team all the power here. To do so, you know, you're going to help us afford some of these other guys. One of the things that... Derek Carr said yesterday, the last time I signed my contract, my best friend, Khalil Mack, had to leave. Yeah. And have the cap space for Khalil Mack. I think cash flow is an issue, too, for the Raiders. Thank that may you. Be one of the reasons why. Thank they you. Didn't, yeah. You know, that may be. Look, because here, here's the thing to remember. Uh huh. I wanted to go there, Mike. I think that's a reason well, here. Let, let me explain why I don't believe at the end of the day they're going to cut him. There is a convention within the broader industry of negotiating contracts between agents and teams that if you have a guarantee that is tied to the waiver period, the days after the Super Bowl when the waiver period begins for the following year, if it's tied to that, it's never going to be exercised. You're not going to cut the guy. It's just there because they didn't want to have to fully fund the payment. They didn't want it to be fully guaranteed at signing. They wanted to build in some delay for financial reasons. Right. When the decision point comes in March at the start of the league year, then it's fair game to cut the guy. But if the Raiders would cut Derek Carr after one year, it would be regarded as extremely bad form and it would hurt their efforts to negotiate similar contracts with other players. So that's what leads me to believe the Raiders aren't going to do it. Then again, the Raiders is the Raiders and they've done things like that over the years. But it may just be, you know, for all this hype about the Raiders being in Las Vegas, they may not have the money that we think they have. A hundred percent. Plain and simple. Uh huh. I, I think that's a real thing. Uh, Mike, I, I think we both know. I mean, I know for sure. One of the reasons they traded Khalil Mack was the fact that they just couldn't pay him. They were not going to be able to pay him the huge signing bonus check or some of the big guaranteed money he was going to have to get in year one. And that is what ultimately led them to go, okay, we can't do it. I would think I. It's one of the first things that came to my mind when I went. Wait, you know, Derek Carr. Okay, I understand some of the reasons, but what? What? Why else would he do this or whatever? And I did come to that, you know, thought pretty early on to go. Well, maybe the Raiders can't just write him a check for fifty million dollars like most quarterbacks are going to get as soon as they sign the contract. I think that's a very real aspect. We've heard those rumors about the organization as a whole. So. Yeah, I think between that, some of the things Derek Carr says, I think, yeah, I do take him at his word and that fact that you know, he, he wants the good team around. He's one of those guys, Mike, that I'm, I talk about every now and then that piss you off that I'll say he's, you know, again, I'm just using the word for this. He's not selfish uh-huh. in the fact that he has to take every dollar in the world. He's going to go he's, – he's a guy that's obviously said, you know, whether I have $75 million in the bank or $150 million in the bank, my life doesn't really change, so I'd like to win football games. I, I think that's where he's got to. And, Mike, you know, you talked about his personality. I, I, I had the same thoughts about the guy before I ever met him. 
I, I wish you could meet. He's, he's just a corny guy a little bit. He's just a corny guy. But that's who he is, and that's why I do like him. He knows who he is. He knows he's corny guy. And you know, you know how you know he's not too – or he might be corny, but you know he's not fake, Mike, is the fact that, man, do his teammates love him. They love him. I mean, whether it's Khalil Unlike Mack, Baker Mayfield. Uh, unlike Baker Mayfield, exactly right. When you talk to Raiders players, all they will talk about – and a court and Devonte Adams, who's re- there for them, they love Derek Carr. So there is something to him there, even though, yeah, he can come off definitely a little corny and trying to talk it into existence that I'm going to be a Raider for the rest of my life. And that periodic fake country accent, just kind of, <laughs> every uh, now and then, his Texas twang way. pops out hardcore. <laughs> Here's Derek Carr talking a little bit about the structure of the contract and the fact that he did sign a team-friendly deal. Everyone looks at like certain numbers and they're going to say, oh, well, you know, they're not going to get the whole picture of how it's structured and how we did things so that I, you know, you know, Tim, my agent, myself and the team, we made sure, you know, guys like Chandler, guys like Devante, guys like hopefully Hunter and Foster and those guys can stay here. You know, the way we structured it, you know, I, I went through a heartbreak already last time I signed my contract. My best friend left, you know what I mean? Um, and I didn't want that to ever happen again. And so this was an opportunity for me to prove to the team, um, to the organization, uh, to our fans, that the way we're going to structure this is so that we can keep you know everybody together and really really have real continuity, really have something to build on. you know. And so for me, it was like, how do we do that? You know, you know, usually in these negotiations, how much money can we get? And then there, how much can we save? You know, and for this was just different. There was a reference in there that we had previously mentioned that Khalil Mack had to leave after the last time Derek Carr did a contract. And the last time he did a contract, he was the highest paid player in the NFL. Right. And it was a real contract that made him the highest paid player in the NFL. That was during that time where every quarterback who was up for a contract became the next highest paid player in the NFL. And it was just one after another, after another, they've gotten away from that as evidenced by Derek Carr's contract. Now, part of it is the way it's structured, the way it looks, the way that it got reported, Oh, 40 and a half million per year, but it's still a far different structure from the deals that other quarterbacks it have is. gotten. And it does give the team some flexibility. And it does continue to put the onus on Derek Carr to continue to perform at a high level. And he's old enough now at this point that he goes into it with his eyes wide open. And like you said, if guys want to make that decision, that's fine. But I keep going back to you only have so many swings at the bat. That's right. You only have so many opportunities to get paid. And the moment that they believe that you're not getting it done, they're getting rid of you. I mean, if he has a disastrous season this year and he's healthy at the end of the year, yes, they'll get rid of him. I mean, Baker Mayfield could be a candidate to go to the Raiders in 2023. Josh McDaniels liked him in 2018. Tom Brady could be a candidate to go to the Raiders in 2023. They will have options next year. They didn't have options this year. They'll have options next year if they decide, based upon what they see from Derek Carr, that it just isn't working. There's no reason to think that they will come to that conclusion other than the fact that they technically have a window out of this if they choose to take it. Right, no no question. All that's real. There's no denying it. And I I don't know. There's a part of me, too, that also thought, hey, maybe Derek Carr was like, maybe we'd – hey, who knows? Maybe this year's going to go in this New England way. Maybe the hell – maybe I'm going to decide I don't want to freaking be here anymore. I don't really think that's the real thing. I come away with it more – in the fact, or looking at it like this, like, you know, watching a little of this yesterday was 
I, I came away more of going, ooh, why would he do this or why did he take the contract to more of like, I think he's actually become like a pillar of the organization to where he's so loved and liked by ownership and they know how professional he is and they respect the player he is now that he feels that he was comfortable enough to go, they're not going to do me wrong. This is not. I mean, I'm, I'm the guy here. He is the guy there. It's official. He, he is that guy. And I would say this too, knowing Josh McDaniels, having worked for him and played for him in Denver, I, I think a move like this, is is only going to endear Josh McDaniels more to to Derek Carr. He's it's going to be like kind of what you said already. You know, this is what Tommy did. I love this. Tommy did this. Tommy did this. I mean, nobody loves uh, Tom Brady more than Josh McDaniels. So you know, I think that's only going to put McDaniels more in Derek Carr's corner to go. Wait, this guy works smart, does whatever he's got to do for the team. He's just like the guy, my buddy, I left in New England. I feel like that's just going to bring them closer when it's all said and done. McDaniel said, among other things yesterday, in connection with the new Derek Carr contract, what he did and what we were willing to come to terms on, I think shows you he is significantly invested in this place, this organization, and helping us in any way that he can to try to win. I don't think there's anything behind curtain number two here. There's no other intent on any of this other than to try to put the best team on the field for the Raiders, and Derek was obviously excited to try to do that as well. I, <laughs> You know... I, I, I hate to say this, but I look, I, 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 I don't know the timeline yesterday, but I feel like that once we started putting the truth out there about what the deal really is, they felt compelled to push back on it a little I, bit when I'm, they did the press conference. I'm not, I don't disagree with that either. I thought the same thing. I, I did. I was like, what the hell? What's up with this contract? There's got to be somebody answer something. And it did feel that way. I'm with you that they felt like they're kind of answering, like you're just answering the questions that you had posed out there on PFT and everything. Now, look, guys, when you do that, make sure you come back to the microphone after you leave and say, Florio, write whatever you want. (laughs) Yeah, right. Because I'm going to anyway. Thank you for the invitation and the permission. I am going to write whatever I want. But that's one of the things that bugs me about the industry generally. And this isn't anti-Derek Carr. And it doesn't matter whether you have an agent or you don't have an agent. There's a level of bullcrap that gets fed to us by... The information robots who exist at the speed of 280 characters who are trying to beat everyone else to Twitter with the news of a new contract. And in order to get the news of a new contract, they have to push the most favorable narrative possible when they get the information. So when the agent for Derek Carr gives that information to NFL media, ESPN, wherever, He's not going to say, oh, by the way, this is really only $24.9 million guaranteed for one year, and they can cut him after one season if they choose to. He's not going to say that. He's going to say what it is. Oh, it's $40.5 million new money average, and that's what gets put out there. And then the truth shows up a little bit later. I'm just surprised the truth showed up yesterday, early afternoon. Usually it takes a couple of days for the truth to roll out of bed, wake its ass up, get you know, clothes on, make itself presentable and catch up with the lie that's already baked in. I was really surprised that people were getting the truth to me yesterday. And I think the reason is people who had access to the truth were struck by how this thing was being sold yeah. when the reality was very different. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I do. And, uh, you know, it's safe. Raiders, I'm excited for their future. Derek Carr's good. That, Devontae Adams. You know, and Raiders fans should be very happy with should, this. Right? Don't get mad. You got your. Now, I, I know Miles Simmons, who covered the Raiders for a year, says they're not sold on Derek Carr because he's never won a playoff game. So, you know, it's like Kirk Cousins without the postseason win in New but Orleans. Like, but well, I know. Yeah. 
But Raiders fans should be happy that they got the guy for four years at at terms that are favorable to the team. I, yeah, and like uh, the, what I want to say to Raider fans sometimes, because I saw some of that reaction on social media and stuff yesterday where I want to go like, well, what? Like, well, when were they supposed to win a playoff game? In fact, when were they supposed to be in the playoffs? And they still got there last year. And then we're on the eight-yard line going into score to beat the team that went to the Super Bowl. And they're not as talented as them. So Derek Carr, he's a franchise quarterback. Yeah, he's not Mahomes or Josh Allen, but he's damn good. He can win a Super Bowl. He's, he's, he's good enough to win a Super Bowl, 100%. And uh, I'll give him credit for not being selfish and doing such a nice team-friendly deal. What a good guy he is. <laughs> Now, if only he could get the Raiders into a different division, then they may have <laughs> right? a better chance to get <laughs> to the playoffs and win some playoff games. One last clip from Derek Carr. And look, I, it became obvious to us they were keeping Derek Carr when they made the trade for Devontae Adams, his yeah. former Fresno State teammate. They've been plotting, at least recently, an effort to try to get together. Here is Derek Carr talking about being reunited with Devontae Adams. I told my brothers that after the first time we threw, they're like, how was it? I was like, honestly, it was like riding a bike. <laughs> you know, every ball is right here, and the guy is so freakishly talented, he makes me look better than I actually am. So, um, you know, he uh, it's a blessing to be able to play with him, not only because of the player he is, but he's one of my best friends in the whole world. Like, we've tried to plot and scheme this thing for a long time, you know, um, but at the end of the day, you know, we both loved our situations. You know, he had a great situation. I had a great situation. And, um, but we always talked about it. One day we're going to make it happen. And the opportunity came and, you know, we worked, we worked hard, you know, to try and try and make that happen. And uh, the fact that it's here, it's exciting. You know, um, you know, we've had success together, but that was at the college level, completely different. But we do have confidence that we can do it at this level too. Now, again, folks, it's not tampering if he's acting on his own and not as some sort of an operative or emissary of the team. Hey, I want you to talk to Devontae Adams about trying to get him here. Not that they would ever, number one, be able to prove it, or number two, even investigate it. The NFL is so haphazard when it comes to tampering. It's like once every seven or eight years, they snatch someone who obviously violated the rules and they make an example out of them as if that makes it okay all the other times it happens so it's not tampering for Carr and Adams to plot as long as the Raiders aren't putting up to it and again we're never going to know if they no, did no. and no one's ever going to care if they did yeah. bottom line is they are together and they're gonna and, and now look now the Devontae Adams deal is another example of something that as it's reported, it's a hell of a lot more significant than it is. It's a two- or a three-year deal, and then they'll either tear it up and move on from him or give him a new contract at that point. It's just kind of the way it is. But, you know, the Raiders are in great shape. The only problem, as I said jokingly, but it's the truth. they got to deal with the Broncos, the Chargers, and the Chiefs. And getting out of that division, getting to the playoffs, is not going to be easy because of who you have to play twice per year and who you are competing with to try to get in position for a wild card berth or a division title. Yeah, it's a murderer's row. I mean, it really is. It's it's unreal. Both Wests and both conferences are phenomenal. And, yeah, the, the AFC West with the quarterback play just kind of puts it on another bit, another level there. Uh, that's where it's crazy. And, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Raiders, they got a lot of good qualities. And I know it, it's funny, like we talked about a few weeks, the, the team that went to the playoffs – and we look at them and go, well, I think they're the fourth most talented team in the division. 
You know, it's 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 be interesting to see what they do in year one under Josh McDaniels and the whole new regime change and a, just a different style of play. Going to be you know cool to see how they react and can can they really hit the ground running when the season starts. I mean, think about it. They got Josh McDaniels. They added Chandler Jones. They have Devontae Adams. They kept most of their other key players in place. The arrow is pointing up. I, I, there's a reason to feel good about the Raiders right now. I think so, too. And yeah, it's not going to be easy to compete with the Chargers and the Broncos and the Chiefs, but they've shown that they can. And we get that Patriot way infused into the Raiders. Now, hopefully the locker room will react to it better than they did in Detroit, for example. And maybe Josh McDaniels will have a different style than he had when I he was in so. Denver in 2009. And, you know, that's the problem with the Patriot way. If it doesn't work early, you're going to be run out of town because you're going to piss everybody off because there is a certain robotic, objective, emotionless quality to it where you just go about your work every single day yeah. and you don't ask questions and you don't smile and you don't enjoy yourself. You enjoy yourself on the night you get your Super Bowl ring and that's it. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, no doubt. It's I true, think he's learned from that, true. though. He's learned from that. I, I, that was something that uh, on, on my podcast at the, the Combine, he kind of delved into a little bit about just the fact of you know being a little bit more open, talking to people you know in a better way. Those are some of the issues I think he you know self-analyzed self there, uh, self-scouted and realized he's got to be better in that department second time around. The problem, though, is when you are tied to Bill Belichick and he is your your guiding light for yeah. everything you do. You don't realize how much he influences everything you say and do and how you view the world. So many of the guys that leave Belichick, I'm going to do it my own way. You have become Bill Belichick by osmosis. Matt Patricia, I'm going to do it my own way. He didn't. Brian Flores, I'm going to do it my own way. He didn't. They were both extensions of Belichick, and for different reasons— and possibly for reasons that weren't legal, ultimately, as it relates to the requirements of the, the civil justice system. Brian Flores out in Miami, Matt Patricia out in Detroit. You got to win in order to make that work. And we'll see if Josh McDaniels really has learned from that extra decade or so back with Bill Belichick after the failure in Denver. Let's take a break. When we return, a little which doesn't belong and why, including Jerry Jones saying he would like to trade up in the draft if he can. More PFT Live right after this. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. <laughs> 